Um, we are going to be starting a new series tonight. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, it's called Life Hacks, and it's going to be a, a study of the book of Proverbs, the subtitle Skillful Living from Proverbs. So if you would turn to Proverbs chapter 1 in your Bibles, and there are some extra Bibles on the edge there if you didn't bring one tonight. Um, this concept of a, of a life hack, all right, that's probably familiar to most of us in here, but, but life hacks, they're just kind of tips for living, you know, strategies, how to be productive, how to be effective. Um, I think this, this phrase, start, it started in the tech world, but it got popularized uh, to describe taking kind of ordinary junk and repurposing it to solve problems and scenarios that you've always these are just been nagging situations that you faced, and how do you, what do you do with this? And, and, and somehow you can repurpose everyday junk, and that's going to help you out. So you got stuff like a quick and easy iPhone speaker. If you cut open a, a toilet paper roll and stick some tacks in there, apparently that kind of amplifies the sound. Now, uh, I think what's true with most life hacks, I don't know if any of these have actually been tested or if people just take a picture of them doing something retarded and post it as a life hack. You never really, I don't know if there's any sort of like quality control on life hacks these days, but uh, this actually, this would have come in handy at some points in my life. Uh, use a clean dustpan to fill a container that doesn't fit in the sink. So if you guys ever do mopping around your house, which uh, that'll be one of our topics in Proverbs is uh, responsibility and work, uh, so get ready for that. But how do you fill up your bucket, you know, you can go to the, the bath, bathroom and do that, but if you're in a situation where you can't fit it in the sink, uh, dustpan will help you out. This seems interested, again, one of those untested life hacks, I guess. If you wrap a wet paper towel around your beverage and put it in the freezer, in about 15 minutes, it's going to be almost ice cold, so... I might try that tonight just to see. Uh, now this one, I think uh, you could just see the expertise right here on how to, how to be an expert sandwich maker. Don't, don't be overlapping that uh, lunch meat and, and leaving edges on the side of the bread. That's just unused space. Cut it in half and uh, follow these directions exactly and it will taste 100% better. Uh, but anyway, life hacks, they kind of started there, but then they, they, they came to be used for... Uh, principles for successful living, like how to organize your life, what's your priorities should you have. So life hacks are kind of described in that way. And there's a life hack uh, Twitter account, and uh, they've posted these articles, things like four mistakes people easily make that stop them from achieving big goals. Or if you want to be happy, healthy, and successful, start doing these 10 things. And then there's uh, why you should cherish people who hold you to a higher standard. Uh, now, those are some of the things that the book of Proverbs actually addresses, right? How to be effective at the right things and, and what kind of people should you include around you who are going to support that. In fact, when you read Proverbs, it kind of reads like it was written for Twitter, uh, but 3,000 years before Twitter was invented. In fact, you, you find things in there uh, like this. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Uh, now, not only does that sound like something that could be posted on social media, it sounds like a proverb that was specifically written for social media, right? There are people that just, they just like to express their opinions, they just like to run their mouth with no attempt at actually understanding what, uh, what they're talking about. Uh, but the, the book of Proverbs 
is immensely practical and it's often pithy. You, you typically could, could fit it in 140 characters or less. But unlike much that's tweeted out or shared as a life hack today, it doesn't just exist at the level of a meme to scroll past, right? It, it reaches into your life. It, it, it touches down in the real places where you live and it demands your attention. And the reality is that, that most uh, life hacks that get shared on, on social media are really just more about entertainment than they are something that you'll seriously try. Uh, but Proverbs, they're not here for our amusement and for our distraction. It, it expects that we will apply these things. It, it's, it's teaching us how to live, and that's because these ultimately come from the mouth of the Creator, right? The, the one who designed the world has, has told us how to live wisely in it, and it would be smart for us to pay attention. Uh, Bruce Walkie, he's, uh, he's got these two thick volumes on, on Proverbs, and he says, the book of Proverbs remains the model of curriculum for humanity to learn to live under God and before humankind. And, and those are the two spheres of life that you occupy, and there's priority there under God and before humankind. Now, I want to introduce us tonight to this book and how it functions, and it actually comes with its own introduction. So, let's look Proverbs 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, and then it, it gives a purpose, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, maybe you can think of a situation that has happened to you where you came away saying, I feel like a total idiot. Um, you know, some social blunder you made, uh, a time where, when you spoke up too soon or when you, you, you should have kept your mouth shut and you, you made some dumb mistake and maybe you hurt somebody in the process and you just wish, I could hit the rewind button and, and redo that. Uh, is, is there some way to idiot-proof your life? You know, is there some way, if I, if I could just get the right instructions to avoid making those kinds of stupid mistakes? Uh, Probably not. Uh, that doesn't really exist. But, but what there is available for us is there is a manual for living. The, the designer of life has given us a manual. Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but my tendency is uh, whenever I have to assemble something or take something apart and put it back together, I almost never read the manual. 
I don't know if that's because it's it's typically written in Spanglish, but um, it's just there's something a weird side of me. It's like I, I just want to figure it out on my own and set aside all the extra parts, right? Uh, that that's what we tend to do with life. And 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 then sometimes you look back at the manual and you realize, okay, no, I should have read this first. Uh, that would have saved me a lot of time. Uh, well, well, God's provided a manual for life, and 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 this is His kindness to do so because, guys, you know this. Life is hard, it's troubling, it's broken, it's challenging, and, and there, there are situations that, that confront us that we're not always sure how to handle. And, and so, before you see Proverbs as some snooty book of do's and don'ts, realize this, this is the kindness of God coming to you with, hey, can I bring you some relief? Can we sit down and talk about this so that it might go well for you? This is how Ray Ortland put it. He said, The book of Proverbs is practical help from God for weak people like us stumbling through daily life. It is His counsel for the perplexed, His strength for the defeated, His warning for the proud, His mercy for the broken. That's good news for us. Well, here's how this is described in, in our introduction. It uses a word that's not really popular today. Look back at verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. There, there are not really many advertisements today that are making a case for wisdom, right? Ads, uh, if it's some sort of video that shows up on YouTube for five seconds before you can hit the skip button on your way to watch the video you want to watch, or if it's a commercial, right? What, what is it appealing to? It, it appeals to your sense of excitement. It appeals to the fact that if you use this product or you subscribe to this or whatever it is, you're going to be in the know, you're going to be included, people are going to like you, right? It appeals to your longing for approval, for thrills, for a successful life, for having a good time. There's not much appeal to wisdom. Right? When was the last time you saw an ad that said, if you use this, it'll make you wise, and they're not saying that in some gimmicky, sarcastic way, right? It, you just don't come across that that often because wisdom often installs the sorts of things that run against all the kinds of things that they're appealing to when they're trying to sell you something, which is they want you to make some sort of rash, impulsive decision thinking, that'll help me out and I'm going to buy it without thinking, right? That's what ads want to produce in you. But wisdom installs things like caution. And hey, why don't you slow down? And why don't we put some parameters, some moderation on that? Now, that's not all that wisdom does, but it's an important function of it. But what exactly is wisdom? Uh, wisdom includes knowledge, as we'll see in a moment, but, but there's a difference between just knowledge of information and wisdom. And, and the thing is, we live in a day where information abounds, I mean, get this statistic. A hundred years ago, the average person would have been exposed in their entire lifetime to the amount of information that's in one edition of the New York Times, right? And that's setting aside the whole internet that's available to us. And we think, we fall into this temptation that we can manage life by streaming in data. But our information has outpaced our Wisdom, you know, something that's just been painfully obvious, and I hope it's been obvious to you in the past 
several years is that we have access to more information than we know how to wisely handle. That's true for teenagers, right? There's more at your fingertips than you know how to wisely handle. And listen, that's, that's true for people in their 20s, in their 50s and beyond. There's this whole debate going on now ever since the election about uh, fake news, right? And, and, and there's kind of two sides to this and how this is viewed because on the one hand, with social media, there is a proliferation of fake news. Somebody can post something, it can get 100,000 likes and shares before anybody has any chance to fact check it. And by, by the time somebody says, you know, that's not quite how it was, that's already buried, you know, below the, the next headline. Um, so that's a problem. But, but people on the other side, sometimes that's kind of like, the mainstream media and their opinions characterizing things as fake news that they don't like. But there's this whole debate on this, this, this ocean of information that you and I are dropped into that we don't always know what to do with it. But wisdom, it's not just about knowing facts, even if they're true. The kinds of things that can be you know, shrung together in a, in a slideshow on BuzzFeed, that's not the stuff of wisdom. Wisdom is a skill. If you think of it like this, right, got some instrumentalists in our midst, um, you can read everything that there is to know about playing a violin. Uh, that does not mean that you play it well, right? It, it, it takes a different level of skill, not just to know the, the data, but to exercise it. it and, and wisdom's like that. It, it's, it's an art form. It is a lived competence. You know, there's a difference between having tools and knowing how to use them. I don't have very many tools in my house. I've, I've, home ownership has forced me to learn how to use the tools that I do have, and I've been grateful for that. Uh, chances are, if, if somebody just downloaded a bunch of, you know, construction material and power tools, uh, I, would, I would probably hurt myself and others and attempted to use them, right? Just, just because you have them in the shed doesn't mean you know this is the right tool to use for the right scenario and to use it in this way and not in this way. Well, guys, there, there is there's a Wikipedia amount of tools that are available to you today. That doesn't mean that we know how to use them and, and, and we can hurt people with our tools. Uh, this is just really insightful. Ray Orland says, what if we have many advantages in our lives but not wisdom? If we have love, right, that's something majored in today. That's a value. If we have love but not wisdom, we will harm people with the best of intentions. And you won't even know you're doing that. If we have courage but not wisdom, we will blunder boldly. If we have truth but not wisdom, we will make the gospel ugly to other people. If we have technology but not wisdom, we will use the best communications ever invented to broadcast stupidity. If we have, listen to this, this is interesting. If we have revival but not wisdom, we'll use the power of God to throw the church into reverse gear. And so wisdom is essential. And, and in this book, wisdom is seen as, as priceless, right? Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get gold than wisdom, right? And, and, and it means that. It means that if somebody approached you and they had a pile of gold in one hand and, and, and in some mysterious way they said, and I've got wisdom, what do you want? 
What's going to be most beneficial to you? Not just in this moment, but in the long run. And Proverbs is saying, take the wisdom. And this is written by a man who did that, right? If you know the life of Solomon, God appeared to him in a dream and said, ask me what you want. And he asked, give to your servant a discerning heart, a wise spirit. And then God said, and I'm going to give you the gold as well because you asked for the right thing. But it's interesting, in Proverbs, wisdom is extremely valuable and yet it's freely available, right? Proverbs 1.20 says, wisdom cries aloud in the street. It's just there, it's saying, hey, here I am. You want what I'm, what I'm selling? I'm not even selling it. I'm just tossing it to anybody who comes. Just come and stop and listen. I am right here and I'm ready to give to you freely as thousands of people walk by on their way to other things. That's the great irony, and we'll see why that's the case in a moment. But if this is wisdom, how do you get it? Right? If, if wisdom is, is a lived competence, is there any way to get that ahead of time? Well, it's in the title of our book. Verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon. And verse 6, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. That is how Proverbs is imparting wisdom. The, the, the word proverb means to, it's, it's connected to the Hebrew word to represent or to be like, to, to make a comparison to to illustrate something and it does that with with words right the, the words of the wise it, it presents a a world of words and it says step into this for a little while and take a look around and see what you can discover that's going to be beneficial to your life you can think of it like this it's it's like a virtual reality that it gives you right some of you guys are into gaming um, and the virtual reality and scenarios that you're able to do. It's interesting, and maybe Mr. Andy could speak to this, uh, how gaming and virtual reality are used in the military today. Here's one article. It says, virtual reality has been adopted by the military. This includes all three services, Army, Navy, and Air Force, where it is used for, for training purposes. This is particularly useful for training soldiers for combat situations or other dangerous settings where they have to learn how to react in an appropriate manner. Listen, you are heading in, and you are in right now, dangerous settings where you have to know how to react in an appropriate manner. A virtual reality simulation enables them to do so, but without the risk of death or serious injury. They can reenact a particular scenario. For example, engagement with an enemy, an environment in which they experience this, but without the real world risk, right? What if you can be experienced in something ahead of time? Before you've actually had that experience, you enter into it with wisdom that's beyond your years. That's what this book is wanting to do for you and for me. As Ray Ortland's put it, the world tells us live and learn, but God tells us to learn and live. And, and this book, it, it's just, it's amazing. It, it, it addresses aspects of discernment that uh, just wouldn't come to mind for us. We just wouldn't think of scenarios like this because it's just so foreign to our 
experience. We haven't been in those situations yet. Uh, this one's just striking to me. Uh, Saw, uh, Proverbs 23, verse 1 says, When you sit down and eat with a ruler, anybody done that? Sat down with a ruler of a nation? Um, interestingly, this book is written not just to anybody, but somebody who's going to be king one day. Right? This, is, this is King Solomon sharing with his son and with his descendants insight into stuff that's as important at the level of governing nations. Maybe there's value here for us. But he says this, when you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Do not desire his delicacies, for he is like one who is inwardly calculating. That means on the inside, he's thinking. He's just waiting for the moment. He's waiting for the opportunity to trap you. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. What does that mean? What that means is not every offer, not every favor is genuinely offered. Sometimes it's best to just turn down the help to not be too eager to have that particular person's acceptance and approval because it comes at a cost that you're going to need to pay later on. Now, look, I'm not preaching through this right now, but just let me tell you, there are dozens of situations of friendships that you experience in your teenage years that needs Proverbs 23 involved. It needs it on the scene. This is about developing discernment. And here's how he says it in verse 3. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence. Anybody know what the word prudence means? I don't know, but it sounds pretty lame, huh? Uh, let me give you another translation. Shrewdness, right? Shrewdness means, yeah, you don't easily get things past me. I see right through you. I know your game, right? That's shrewdness. To give that to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth um, reality for us. Discernment is not something that we have automatically. It's not something that you're, you're born with. It's something that has to be developed, right? Uh, did you guys know that the word gullible isn't in the dictionary? You get the point. <laughs> I had a friend uh, once who, um, who's, when she heard that, she reacted, you know what, you're right. In fact, I looked it up one time and I didn't find it there. She, I don't think she spelled it correctly. But uh, we're just easily taken in by things, right? Uh, there's just some natural disposition in us, maybe to believe, to accept uh, if somebody's saying something and, and sounds confident. But, but we're born... In this category, right, he calls us the, the simple um, or, the, or the naive. And it's, it's the word, it kind of means to be open, right? Not, not to be committed, just kind of eagerly open to anything that comes your way. 
right? When, when, you're, when you're committed to something, that excludes certain options, right? A wedding ring, not just the wedding ring, but a marriage commits me to one person. That excludes other options and other chances that might come my way, right? So there, there's certain convictions that the wise person is committed to. But the, but the simple person who hasn't developed all of that yet, they're kind of just, I'm open, I'm game. What you got for me? I'd like to discover that. And that's the kind of person that Proverbs is saying, you, you, you can either start there and develop and become wise or be a fool, right? And, and we shouldn't be offended by this, right? This, this, isn't, this is good news. What this means is that this isn't a book for people who have everything figured out. This is a, a book written to you and to me, in particular to young people, right? You see that here, to give... Prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. It's written as a, as a book from a dad to a son. And uh, listen, we, we, we need this. Um, today, my daughter Piper turned four. And uh, I took her out for breakfast this morning, a little daddy-daughter date. And on the way, we went to Cafe Du Monde. And uh, she said, I'm so hungry, I could eat a dog. No, I could eat a horse. And I said... A horse? No way. And she said, oh, Dad, I'm just kidding. And uh, I said, oh, you do that now that you're four, huh? And she said, yep. <laughs> um, so there's a lot that she's learning that she's taking in right now. Uh, you know what she hasn't discovered yet? She hasn't discovered the fact that <laughs> when, whenever Knox, her two-year-old brother, does something that is annoying or takes something away from her and runs off with it, she hasn't realized yet that her reaction just hands over whatever buttons she has inside of her and says, hey, push these. If you, if, if you want to get an amazing reaction, if you want entertainment, just take something from me, right? I'm not going to just calmly go to my parents and have them resolve the situation. I'm going to whine. I'm going to complain. I'm going to run after you. And, I, and I've told her this. I've sat down and said, hey, darling, you know what? If when he did something like that to bother you, you just didn't say anything, and you came to me, and you let me step in and address that, I don't think he's going to do that as much because it's not going to be as fun. Right? She, I don't think she believes me yet, right? Uh, but, but, but we kind of just come in. We, we need older voices. We need other voices in our lives giving us these insights. And, and, and this, the character quality, right, the virtue that this book promotes is teachability, a willingness to learn, to not be wise in your own eyes. And, and, and here's how, when you, when you think you've got things figured out, how it backfires, because in this book, teachability is what leads to shrewdness. But proud independence leads to gullibility. The person who says, I don't need anybody else, I've got it, they are the one who's most often taken in by schemes in this this book. And so discernment is about learning right from wrong in the messy situations of life in which right and wrong exist. Right and wrong don't come to you. They don't approach you with labels and saying, here I am. This is sin. This is idiocy. If you do this, you'll be homeless the rest of your life, right? Now, nothing in life comes to you labeled like that. And, and, and often it's overlaid. And, and, and some people practice discernment 
in a way that isn't really discerning, and maybe this can be helpful for parents as you're, you're thinking through things. Uh, for some people, discernment just means anything that even smells like it might be wrong, we're going to have none of it, right? But that's not what discernment is in this book. Discernment says, hey, there, there is in the settings of this world and in the settings of this life, there, there needs to be an ability to unravel and unweave and detect what is helpful and what is unhelpful and what's right and what's wrong. But there is, there's a moral dimension to this, right? He talks about um, righteousness, justice, and equity. That's not just like math equations, that has real effect on people's lives, and it, and it has to do with how your character is shaped in this, how your conscience is shaped. And, and God's given you a conscience, and, and it's like a, a compass. It's a wisdom compass. It, it's designed to point toward what is wise and beautiful and true, but it needs to be recalibrated. And if you ignore your conscience, right, if you... If you choose to deny what it is telling you, it gets affected over time. And you can no longer trust your discernment. You can no longer trust that your sense of, yeah, this is okay or not, tells you anything that's true if you've walked in disobedience. And so this, this, the book, this book is designed to say, let's form in you a discerning heart and then you'll be able to detect what's right and wrong. And then he, he says that this is here for understanding. In verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. All right, so people that are in the know, there's something here for them to increase in learning, to understand, to obtain guidance. But uh, Derek Kidner says, this implies not so much an informed mind as a knowing of truth and indeed of God himself. And so this is not a book of factoids and fortune cookies. It's a theology book. But that doesn't mean it's just there for Sunday school, right? It, it addresses everything. It is a theology for life. It, it provides a theological interpretation of the world. And it's interesting, the kinds of things that Solomon was, you know, that he learned about, that he took interest in. First Kings verse 4 tells us this. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite. I don't know, these are like celebs in the ancient world. Uh, and Heman and Kalkol and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. I love that, 1,005. Uh, he spoke of trees, now listen to this, from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon's from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom, right? So he, he's interested in the natural world, in the sciences. He doesn't compartmentalize God. He, he's omni-interested because everything shows him something of God, right? What we were saying earlier, every sunrise sings your praise. And so let me just encourage you, don't, 
don't try to use as some excuse for you to not do well in school that, well, that's not really the stuff that matters in the end, right? All truth is God's truth. This is God's world. And, 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 and there's no independent fact in all of existence. You pick up anything and it's meant to reveal something about who God is. And, and wisdom means understanding that, right? There are smart, intelligent people who don't get it because knowing facts is not the same thing as knowing meaning. It's a really intriguing scene in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader in the Chronicles of Narnia, and the character Eustace meets uh, a retired star named Ramandu. And uh, Eustace says, in our world, said Eustace, a star is a huge ball of flaming gas. And Ramando says, even in your world, my son, that is not what a star is is, but only what it is made of. What's that mean? Well, in other words, just knowing the chemical properties of something doesn't tell you what it is. It doesn't tell you what it's there for. It doesn't tell you its purpose. And all of the scientific analysis about your body in the world cannot tell you why you're here. And don't you think that's, that's pretty important to know? if you're going to live in this world. And so there's basic understanding. There, there is a, there's an entire worldview. Proverbs, again, it's not fortune cookies. It's part of this storyline. And, and there's theology that informs the nature of the world that you live in. And all of the Proverbs, all the sayings come out of this understanding. This understanding that this is God's world, right? He created it. And it is a good world. It, it, it makes sense it's intelligible. It's not run by chaos or by blind fate. It's not a world where just anything goes. Anything could happen, right? Gravity could just all of a sudden reverse. Uh, that's not the kind of world that this is, which, by the way, is why all the founders of science were Christians, because they, they operated on the assumption that this is a world that an intelligent creator has made and therefore it's ordered. And since we're made in the image of God, we have the ability to understand it. And so why don't we go out and discover it? And why don't we learn about things like protons and electrons and stuff that doesn't immediately seem to have practical value just because it tells us something about God. That's where science came from. And we find out that God designed this world and and you're intended to live in it a certain way. Ray Orton says, we think we can create our own designer lives, even new selves, by force of raw choice. But the truth is, reality is not made to order. We cannot make it up as we go. We were born into a pre-existing order that God created long ago. We need to know what that order is and how it works in relationships, in finances, in sex, in every area of life so that we can stop shooting ourselves in the foot. If we know, we can adjust and thrive. That's what God wants for us. So this is God's good world. But uh, if, if you've been in the retrospect on Sunday mornings, you know I talked about how there are these two lenses that get overlaid. Right? If you're going to go out and, and try to know, how do I categorize my experiences? The stuff that life confronts me with. I need a box to put it in. Well, there are these two lenses. There's this creation lens. It's a good world. And there's this lens of the fall. 
And, and, and they both have to interpret, they both have to inform how you see what you experience. This is a fallen world, it's broken. And so life is complicated. It doesn't always play according to the rules. It's not easy, it, it, it is dangerous. It's a cursed world. And people are fallen. They, they have operating inside of them ulterior motives, unrighteous motives. The people that you interact with in this world are fallen. They, are, they need to be reconciled to God, and therefore, we can't be naive about that. But then it takes it one step further and tells us, not only they, but you're fallen, right? And your motives aren't pure, and you're susceptible to temptation. You, you do things like speak flattery and make bribes and try to Earn people's approval because that does something for your unsettled identity. And you run after quick thrills. You have a propensity toward things that are dumb because you're fallen. And that has to come into play. But it doesn't leave us there. It also tells us that grace is available. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's a proverb. Grace is there He's eager to help those who recognize this. He brings redemption and stability to the humble. And, and the, the book of Proverbs, it takes all these realities very seriously and it overlays them onto life and applies them in immensely practical ways. And it's going to be fun to get to introduce you to, to some of them in this series. All right, finally, this is described here as discipline, that word instruction. It means discipline. Right? Wisdom is hard work. Because it doesn't leave you the same, it changes you. And sometimes that's painful. You, you need to admit you're wrong and that you need help. You need to do the hard work of discovering God's will and then you need to submit to it. And that, that involves discipline. That involves shaping who you are. That's why Solomon tells us in verse seven that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's a lot of talk today in the life hack world and the productivity world about living centered lives, like achieving balance and peace of mind. And uh, hey, to the extent we can do that, fine, that's great. Uh, I don't think we should live frenzied and crazy overcommitted lives. Um, but what's, what's not defined there is centered around what? Like what, what goes at the center to make your life balanced, to make it centered? Are you there? Because a lot of the talk out there, and I'm sure if we, you know, combed through the life hack Twitter feed and the wisdom it offers up for us, we would discover that a, a lot of the criteria that's being used of should you do this or not, what should you be after or not, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a lot to do with is this going to benefit you? Is this going to make you feel comfortable? Is this going to allow you to enjoy life? Proverbs does not place us at the center. It says, you want to you be wise? You want to know stuff? Take your place at the periphery of life and allow the God of the universe to be at the center. It's all about Him. And so you learn to fear Him. 
You learn to respect and worship and honor Him, and then everything else falls into place where it needs to go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because wisdom has to do with acknowledging, as we've said, God's design, purpose, and rule in the world. It is responsiveness to God. And so a a wise life is submitted to God's ways. Proverbs 3 says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. But if you refuse to acknowledge him, right, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. He might not say that with his lips, but that's the conviction that he lives by. This this functional thought that God is essentially irrelevant to my choices. Then you are determined to walk blindfolded along the scaffolding of life. And so he says, fools despise instruction or discipline. They, 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 They don't want parameters. And the reason is, a foolish life is very attractive at first, right? It makes a convincing case. But if you, if you read these carefully, you follow them through, in the end it is miserable, heartbreaking, shameful, dangerous, and deadly. And the book of Proverbs is pulling back the curtain on these things and showing us what's really there, right? Uh, dishonest gain, you know, if you're stealing or you're cheating or you're manipulating, right? That, that's attractive. It seems like that can get you quick money, but it lands you disliked. It lands you in prison. It could land you dead. Proverbs 9 says, Woman Folly proclaims this message, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is, is pleasant. You know, you know what really tastes good? Food that you didn't have to pay for. Right? That's what she's saying there. But the person being offered this does not know that the dead are there. That her guests are in the depths of Sheol. You live by that standard, somebody in the end is going to kill you. That's what Proverbs is saying. But not only that, spiritually, you end up in Sheol. Or adultery. Looks attractive, looks exciting. Says, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor and his disgrace will not be wiped away. It wants us to see, it wants us to discern what's really happening here. And the solution it offers is fear God more than you are running after empty Pleasure. Fear God more than you fear man. Proverbs says the fear of man is a snare. It'll hold you captive. If your greatest concern is what will people think of me and what will they find out about me and and that determines what you're going to do, right? You are living enslaved and the rescue that's available to us is the fear of God which shows us this, this book is, is ultimately not just about adding nice sayings to our memory, right? Uh, although we should. Anthony Salvaggio says, the goal of Proverbs is not finding earthly prosperity or even wisdom itself. The goal is to grow ever closer to the God who is 
wisdom. Knowing God is the proper definition of the good life and the highest goal of the Proverbs-driven life. All right, one more thought for us tonight. This book opens by describing itself as the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. And, and it's, it's part of a storyline here, right? Not a fortune cookie. And it's reaching forward in history for the son of David. Who's going to come? It's reaching for Jesus. It's reaching for the one in whom all of life gets explained and resolved. And so we're going to address some topics in this series. We're going to talk about things like work and money and friendships and so on. But we we don't just need wisdom in the abstract. What's being offered to us is, is Christ. What 1 Corinthians describes as the wisdom of God. And the good news is that Jesus died for fools like you and me. And so... Wherever you are, and you know we're at December or toward the close of a year, and and you you might be able to to think, uh, you just assess your life this year, and things come to mind that were mistakes. Maybe just mistakes because you had good intentions, but you did you weren't wise. Things that were foolish. Things that were sinful and disobedient. Jesus became a man to to collect all that together and to bear it on himself and to die the death, the, the Sheol that Proverbs warns us about. He entered it and did not remain there. And he left all that behind. And he rose again to life with us in him. So that it's not our wisdom that's the reason why God accepts us. God accepts the foolish things of the world so that he might receive the glory. But he, but he accepts us through a means that a lot of people in the world think is stupid. It's through Christ. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to the call that is the wisdom of God. And so, tonight we turn and remember and rejoice in what Jesus has done. And ask him to lead us into his wisdom. So if you'd stand with me. Just want to close with bringing to mind for us uh, where we ended our worship time. Which is just allowing you to discover where are you with the Lord right now. God is calling us to think his thoughts after him and to live them as our good. You responsive to God? You making yourself available to him? You acting on what he has shown you? You try to silence that? You turn to him and you say, God, I need you. And Lord, we do so. We turn to you And we acknowledge the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We are grateful that we are yours in Christ. And we want to walk in your ways. Lord, you designed life. We want to know it. We want to enjoy it. And so, God, would there be reverence 
and awe and trust and honor and responsiveness in us and a readiness to walk in your ways. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, one more thought for you. Uh, there's On the back, there's the parent discussion guide, which anybody need a reminder about that? That's provided. Typically, that's their f- questions for parents to ask youth. Since Proverbs is all about youth looking to their parents for wisdom, I've written this as questions for youth to ask parents. So you guys take that and interview your parents. All right, thank you. You guys have a great rest of the week.